0: are listening to the Manchester Vineyard podcast, we'd love for you to join us. To discover more about who we are, where we meet and how you can connect with us, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description. Good morning, my name is Naomi, I'm part of the team at Manchester Vineyard and it is a delight to share with you this morning. I find myself these days maybe similarly to you making decisions that I never thought I would have to make and wondering how on earth I make them well. You might be faced with difficult decisions around jobs, health, university, parenting. You might have unexpectedly become the sole teacher in the homeschool that you never planned to have. Some of these questions aren't unique to this moment that we're in and they go way beyond when do I think it's right to get my hair cut to... How do I live well in this broken world? For some, you're learning about the depths of injustice for the first time and for others, it's a painful wound that you carry every day. This speaks to systemic racism, but also how dangerously close so many people live to the poverty line, to having no food in their home. It's about how fragile relationships can be when they're under pressure and how we get things wrong so often. I think many of us are realising the extent to which we live busy, distracted lives that we even forget to ask God, how do I live well? How do I respond to your goodness and live a life worthy of my calling? In our own strength, it's hard to know any of these answers. In Micah, a book in the Old Testament, we find a similar question being asked. God, how do we live for you again? How do we worship you? We get this wrong so often, but show us. In Micah 6, God is reminding the people of Israel all of the ways that he has provided for them, even giving them names and places in case they'd forgotten. They had lost their way. They had worshipped idols. They had forgotten his goodness and drifted. In verse 6, the people are wondering, "Okay, what do we need to do to get back into right relationship with you, God? They ask, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul? Their hearts were ready to give the things in their hands. Verse 7, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? You can imagine them now all sat on the edge of their seats waiting to hear what is going to be asked of them. Will it be the 10,000 rivers of oil? Verse 8, this is what the Lord requires, to act justly, to love mercy and walk humbly with your God. He wanted their hearts, not a list of religious sacrifices, even though that was what they were expecting to need to do to step back into right relationship with God. He wanted them to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with him. Just before we dive into this, I think God wants to remind us, as he does in verse 4, of all the places and times where his faithfulness has been so clear in our lives. There are people, places that he's given us, names and dates that you can draw back to memory. And if you're struggling, ask him where he has been faithful. Ask him to show you. Before God even said what he required, he reminded them of his love, how he had rescued, led and restored them. And what he says next comes out of that relationship. Verse 8, act justly. Some translations say, do justice. I grew up as one of five children with a very keen radar for justice. I was determined that I was going to go into the police force when I left school. And as kids, justice was about getting what was due to you. It was about getting the ruler to measure out the strawberry lace as we were told to share and weighing out bags of sweets to make sure everyone had exactly the same. We would also enact justice on each other when we felt that our parents didn't quite dish out what the other person um, deserved. There was a lot of flushing things down the toilet and one particularly mean one was to wait for someone to be well into brushing their teeth before letting them know all of the places that their toothbrush had been used to clean. I'm so glad that we've grown out of that. But more seriously, when justice is up for human interpretation, we get it so wrong. History paints a terrible picture, and today is no different. We can look at brutal killings and imprisonment. Even a genocide can be committed under a belief that their actions are just. When we have the world's view of justice, then getting our own back, gossip, lies and slander can feel justified, especially if you have been wronged. Our standard has to be the kingdom standard which Jesus lived out. In Luke 4, verses 18 to 19, Jesus is in the synagogue and he tells everyone listening of his mission by reading from a passage in Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. In Isaiah 58, the people were asking, how do we truly worship? What religious rituals are pleasing to you, God? Similar to the questions in Isaiah of, do you want thousands of rams? 10,000 rivers of olive oil? God's reply in Isaiah 58 verse 6 is that the worship he requires is to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free, to share your food with the hungry, provide the poor wanderer with shelter, to clothe the naked, from thousands of years before Jesus came, God showed us that we are to act justly. Jesus showed us, and the message hasn't changed. This is what he requires of us. As we walk in step with him today, he guides us in the way we should live when it comes to daily decisions to act justly. When our human nature is to put ourselves at the centre of our lives and to get what is owed to us, to act justly can require quite a change of hearts. These words to act justly, love mercy and walk humbly are pretty well known. They've been used, engraved and printed and in fact there are pages and pages of stuff on Etsy, I know because I checked, of things that you can buy with those words written on. These words have been widely used by Christians pursuing social justice. Charities and movements have been built off of the rallying call that it makes to fight injustice, poverty, inequality, things like human trafficking, homelessness and addiction. To act justly can be to upset the norm. To set the oppressed free, an oppressor either needs a change of heart or it's going to be a bit of a fight. To feed the hungry, it's going to cost someone something. To proclaim the good news, it's going to take courage. To provide the poor wanderer with shelter, a shelter might need to be built. The Jesus standard of justice is upside down to the world standard. Jesus lived out what he read in the synagogue. He lived without sin. He set people free and proclaimed good news to the poor. He interrupted the course of sickness, disease, wrongful imprisonment and gave sight to the blind. Through Jesus' life, death and resurrection, we don't have to face the punishment for our sin if we repent and turn to him. What was due to us was taken by Jesus on the cross. He lowered himself to become human and bear our sin. And in doing that, the broken relationship with God was restored. This doesn't seem very fair when you look at it the way the world might see it. But Jesus paid the price for us to be restored back to him. For us to act justly, to do justice, we cannot separate it from loving mercy. Justice and mercy are at the heart of God's character. Psalm 89 verse 14 reads, Righteousness and justice are the foundations of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. Loving mercy might not come that easily to you. Picture the Monopoly board. You've managed to not only land on and buy both Mayfair and Park Lane, but you've also loaded them up with your new business empire of two shiny red hotels. You've even tried to convince everyone to lax the building regulations and let you build multiple hotels on the same spot. Monopoly life is going well. Your family are slowly making their way around the board, dodging each other's housing estates. As they pray not to land on one of your hotels, you're praying that they land on both. And when they do, are you likely to give them a free night's stay or mates rates or a discount in return for a favourable TripAdvisor review? Um, trip Well, you might, but I wouldn't. Rules are rules, pay up. In real life, mercy might look a bit different, but we are to have compassion, to show the same undeserved kindness and forgiveness that we have been shown. It was an upside-down view of justice that led Jesus to the cross, or more likely, we've had it upside-down this whole time, but he had done no wrong. And in the same way, mercy was misunderstood, even despised. Jesus was mocked on the cross, but was still able to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus wasn't a pushover who let people walk all over him and was surprised to find himself at the cross. He chose it, he let it happen, he let it happen and he pardoned those who persecuted and killed him. Mercy can be defined as compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. To work out what this looks like for you, you can ask, where do I have rights, control, privilege, power or authority to show mercy? Mercy matters so much because it can so quickly and easily point back to Jesus. They stole your bins, why don't you just steal them back? Why did you let them get away with speaking to you like that? Why didn't you dish out a harsher punishment? They deserved it. Why would you go and visit that person do you remember what they said about you? Why did you forgive them? What they did really hurt you. Why did you give away your car? Why would you release them from that debt? Mercy is so countercultural. It can be painful to forgive, to let go, to offer everything that we have back to God. So it helps to be walking closely with Him. Walk humbly. We've arrived at the last point. And if anything, this is the headline. Do you want to act justly? Walk humbly with your God. Not sure, quite sure what mercy looks like? Walk humbly with God. He will guide you. This is both a loving invitation and a loving instruction. Charles Spurgeon puts it like this. We are to walk with him, and this cannot be unless we know that he is near. Men do not walk with myths or ideas or remote existences. We walk with a father, a friend. He says to walk with God denotes an active habit, something you would do each day. I'm reminded of the Garden of Eden. God would walk with Adam and Eve. He was their God and a friend too. I've got into the habit of doing more walking chats and catch ups with friends recently since the coffee shops have been shut. I think I now prefer it to a sit down chat and definitely to a Zoom call. But when you're walking, you get to journey with someone. You get to walk in step with each other to experience things together. Conversation, ideas and dreams have room to breathe and to grow. God wants us to walk with him, to be people of his presence, walking in step with him. Can we take a moment to to check ourselves? Are we living out of disconnect of truly knowing what God asks of us? Religious rituals that we trip over today might not look like 10,000 rivers of oil, but it could be that kind words, generosity, or forgiveness just feel like a religious obligation. This invitation to act, love, and to walk is not meant to just be another job to do, but as we walk with Him, it can be an overflow of a life lived in intimacy and in step with God. Are we learning humility? think more of God, of his will, than we do of ourselves. When I think of some of the most humble people I know, they're the people who make the most room for God to speak and move in their lives. They always seem to be listening in, ready to drop what they're doing to make sure that they're walking in step with God. They know the things of his heart and acting justly and loving mercy are the product, the overflow of walking in step with him. They are secure. They confidently love and lead, knowing that they are loved and led by God. During the first few weeks of lockdown, I, like many people, thought, great, now I have time to run like I always said I would. I ambitiously started, but on some days I would be so crippled by a stitch in my side that I'm pretty sure cars slowed down to check that I was okay. I wasn't okay. Pride can do that. When we feel like we are finding our stride or even starting to believe that dishing out justice and mercy depends on us, it can creep in, a bit like a stitch that slows us down or, in my case, stops us completely. God hasn't walked off, not noticing that you're no longer at his side. He is so ready to help you back up and interstep with him. As you walk with him, may you know your father, the upside-down justice and mercy he lavishes on us, and ask, ask him to teach us his ways, to show mercy, and at all times point us back to him. Mm. So I yeah, just want to pray, we just want um, to invite Holy Spirit in to, to speak to us. For listening. To find out more, head to manchestervineyard.org or follow the link in the podcast description.